A number of times on the podcast, I've dismissively referred to the bulk of mainstream American pro wrestlers as six foot three, hairless muscle guys with tribal tattoos. That may be an unfair generalization, and these days there is an increasing amount of diversity when it comes to body type and presentation, but for years that's what WWE wanted you to think wrestlers look like. So if I told you that in 2014 the hottest wrestling star on the planet was a pale little bearded vegan dude from rural Washington, would you believe it? I wouldn't blame you because even WWE didn't believe it at the time, but the more they hemmed and hawed about truly investing in this unexpectedly hot superstar, the more the fans took up his cause. Ultimately, his popularity forced their hand and he found his way into the main event of the biggest show of the year, facing off against not one, but two six foot three hairless muscle guys with tribal tattoos. Today on I Hate Wrestling, it's Daniel Bryan, The Miracle. Now, finally, I think we're ready to record. <laughs> Kylene, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's good to have you again and to be able to hear you this time. Yeah, that's a plus. Yeah, a quick peek behind the curtain. We were attempting to do this via Source Connect, which is how I usually do my remote recordings, and it was untenable. Uh, longtime listeners may remember... Uh, when Renee was my guest and she turned into a robot a couple of times. <laughs> this was like that times a thousand in hell. Oh God. <laughs> it was, it was that bad. And I tried, I tried to, I tried to make a go of it. Ill-advised did not work. Anyway, as we were saying before, Kylene, welcome to the show. You are the final butthole. That's like a 12-minute song. Is it really? I think it's really long. I think it's really long. So you are the last member of the staff of Dirge Magazine to join me on the podcast. It's true. Um, and as you were saying before, you were also the final butthole to join the, uh, the, the Dirge bullpen. Or not bullpen. That's also true. Yeah, the uh, the dirge dirge staff. So, my my question for you, Kylene, which uh, this is as far as we got last time. So fingers crossed that we actually managed to to break on through to the other side, so to speak. Um, do you in fact hate wrestling? Passionately. Beautiful. Tell me about it. Um, I I don't know enough about wrestling to uh, have developed anything but a hatred for it. I suppose. <laughs> Normally people say, I don't know enough about wrestling to hate it, but you were telling me that you don't know enough about wrestling to not hate it. Yeah, I start off with like a baseline hatred for everything, I so that's, that's where I operate. Okay, so do you have any familiarity with wrestling at all, aside from sort of the, the references that I, I often make? Really, no. Okay. So... You're you're a few years younger than I am. You're, God, probably almost ten years younger than I am, right? So, a lot of a lot of people in my age range who are on the show often say that, well, you know, they didn't watch a lot of wrestling, but they were aware of people like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mankind and The Undertaker and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But those people kind of had their biggest moment in the pop culture spotlight in the late '90s, which is. Mm -hmm probably a little before the time that you would be exposed to something like that. Wrestling wasn't really big at any point during your lifetime, I don't think, or your, at least your, your peak pop cultural awareness. Not so much. So what do you think of when you think of pro wrestling? I mean, other than the references you just made, that's really all the, uh, that's really all I've got other than, you know, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant back in the day. That's, that's all I got. Oh, so you do so you do know Hulk and Andre. I mean I know that they exist. <laughs> well 
Yes, they do. Uh, or at least <laughs> one of them does. Uh, the wrong one continues to exist. It's, it's a hot, hot take there. A lot of, a lot of Hulk bashing on this show. Hulk smashing? Hmm? Yeah. Hulk? That's... No. I'm going to go with Hulk bash. I think Hulk bash is funnier. So you have really no frame of reference for for pro wrestling other than my off-the-cuff references, which apparently have gone unappreciated. I, I mean, I still appreciate them. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Thank you. I don't know why. You don't know why. Okay. So I did send you, I did send you some homework to take a look at. Um, what did you think of that, that their music video? Uh, the music was interesting. The music was terrible. <laughs> How would you describe that music? Uh, I, I find myself without words. <laughs> I have no basis for this, but it sounded like Christian rock. Uh, it's, a, it's about there on the level of, like, unbearable. Yeah, it's not quite it's not quite nickelbacky, but it's it's in the vicinity. It's like if the guys in nickelback date. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> If the guys in, first of all, bold assumption that the guys in nickelback don't. don't vape. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm going to say the guys in nickelback vaped and all the vape clouds that they created formed into a band of their own and decided to play this song. That's yeah. I think yeah. Okay, so aside from the aside from the music, uh, what did what did you think of the of the sort of narrative that was presented to us about one Daniel Bryan? He uh, he looks like a dude from Washington, and apparently he is. <laughs> he is a dude from Washington. He he comes from Aberdeen, Washington. I don't know if that's near your neck of the woods. You are also it's a Washingtonian. Not. I am. Okay, so it's not it's not from your neck of the woods, but I assume it's all essentially the same neck of the woods. Uh, kind of. Kind of. So, just just sort of a uh, a peek behind the curtain as to your neck of the woods. Today, in your local newspaper, a man oh, <laughs> a man was in the newspaper for uh, for having some type of sexual congress with a beaver in a public park? It was presumably a beaver. <laughs> presumably. It might have been a muskrat, I guess. Or maybe, like, I guess you didn't get a good look. Maybe it was, like, a platypus from the zoo. I don't know. They eloped. I, I, don't, I don't really know what was going on. Yeah. Um, Details yeah, have yet to emerge fully. Apparently they have. Um, so yeah, that's Eastern Washington, which is uh, <laughs> which is where I live. Unfortunately, um, our is on the other side. He actually looks more like an Eastern Washingtonian, though. Is what I would say. Oh, so explain explain to me the sort of uh, phenotypical differences between Eastern and Western Washingtonians. So, uh, Western Washington is more like you would expect stereotypical Washingtonian, like scrawny, hipster, Starbucks, like beard boy type. Okay, well, you you are describing Daniel Bryan pretty well so far. I mean, more uh, more emo than that, I guess. Okay, yeah, he does he does have a little bit more uh, woodsman to him. Yeah. That's that's more of the Eastern Washington, I think, coming out. He's he's practically Idahoan. Yeah, that's actually. <laughs> that's, yeah. Okay. The closer you get to Idaho, the more it seems like Idaho. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a very deep statement, and I'm I know it's not, but it kind of feels that way. The more it feels like Idaho, the closer you're getting to Idaho. That's. Yeah, that's probably the most accurate thing I've ever said in my life. In any case, Daniel Bryan is almost certainly not what anybody would picture when they picture, you know, a stereotypical pro wrestler. Agreed. He's five foot eight, two hundred pounds. He's very pale. He's got the long beard. Uh, at this time, he was a vegan. I don't think he's still a vegan, but he is. 
very much not like no spray tan, no tribal tattoos. He's not six foot three. He's six foot. He's negative six foot. And he doesn't engage in a lot of the weird hyper masculine posturing that you see mm-hmm. in your average pro wrestling match. But as you could see from the video, in at least in the year 2014, people were fucking into this guy. Yeah. And I think it's because he was exactly the kind of person that WWE has never pushed as one of their top stars. Mm-hmm. And the fact... I can see that. And there's actually this interesting interaction between real life and the fiction we're being presented with. Because in the video that I sent you, the narrative is that Daniel Bryan sort of came into WWE under a dark cloud where where people were talking about how he was never going to make it because he was too small and he quote-unquote didn't have charisma and didn't know how to be a star. And slowly he built up this rapport with the audience through, you know, just the strength of his work and the strength of his performances. And he organically became a star. And then he hit a glass ceiling where the authority figures in the company intervened essentially to make sure that he didn't make it all the way to the top because he wasn't the kind of person that they wanted at the top. That was the storyline that they were giving us, but it was also kind of true, because leading up to the match we're about to watch, WWE was trying to make, at the the main event of their biggest show of the year, they wanted it to be Randy Orton versus Batista. Now, Randy Orton looks and acts like somebody upended an entire bucket of Axe body spray on a pile of Ed Hardy activewear, and it became a man like Frosty the Snowman. Oh, gross. And Batista played Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So these two guys were the ones that WWE wanted to main event the biggest show of the year. Randy Orton, because he's what people think of when they think of a wrestler, and because he's a third-generation star, and because he's been around forever and ever and ever, and Batista because they wanted to be able to say, oh, the star of the number one movie in America is our champion and main evented our big show. So this was their big idea. This is what they felt people would want to see at the, the biggest show of the year. And in reality, the hottest star that they had, and the hottest star that they had had since... The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and etc. was this little beardy guy. And they were very clearly going to ignore that in favor of this Randy Orton versus Batista program. And what happened was, every time Randy Orton and Batista were on screen, everyone at these shows would chant Daniel Bryan. In this way, the narrative of we're holding Daniel Bryan back sort of got confused with the reality of the situation, which was they were willing to have Daniel Bryan on the show and take advantage of his popularity, but only if they could decide in what way. So they created a weird fictionalization of their own bizarre promotional hang-ups. It's very interesting. And you might be thinking, like, looking at that video, how does Daniel Bryan stand up to these guys who are twice his size and who have these conventional wrestler physiques? And the answer to that question is, it's the answer to the question, why did Daniel Bryan get so popular? And the answer is because this little dude was an absolute buzzsaw. You know, these, these, these big sort of lumbery guys are very, not lumbery guy in the way that Daniel Bryan is a lumbery guy. (laughs) They're, they're slow and methodical, and Daniel Bryan is not. He moves so fast. He's momentum personified. He just, he starts moving, and he sails around the ring, and he seems to supernaturally feed off the energy of the crowd. It's really something to see. And that connection, that feeling that this was their guy, and he was unstoppable, really forced WWE's hand. 
where originally they had this idea that it was going to be Randy Orton versus Batista, and everybody turned on the idea. And then they also had this other story in the video that I showed you of Daniel Bryan sort of feuding with Triple H, who is the son-in-law of the owner of the company, and uh, that woman with him was Stephanie McMahon, who's the daughter of the owner of the company. So Daniel Bryan is positioned against him, and eventually they add the stipulation that these two guys are going to fight in the first match at WrestleMania 30, and the winner of that match will get added to the main event of the show. So if Daniel Bryan defeats Triple H, Daniel Bryan will go to the main event, and he will be able to challenge for the championship. If Triple H wins, he gets to go to the main event of the show and essentially complete his family's stranglehold on the company, essentially taking out all variables. This way they know that they will have the kind of champion that they want. So in the first match of the night, Daniel Bryan defeats Triple H in a grueling 25-minute match. Oh, goodness. It's probably the best match Triple H ever had at a WrestleMania. It's incredible. Daniel Bryan wins, and afterward, Triple H blindsides him and smashes him in the shoulder repeatedly with a chair because he's a sore loser. But Daniel Bryan does not give up because, like I said, momentum, irresistibility, this irresistible force, that's him. And nothing is going to keep him away from his chance to have his moment and to prove that it's not always about who's theoretically marketable, but it's about who has this it factor and who has this connection, this organic connection. Imagine Daniel Bryan being concerned with whether or not things are organic. Um, (laughs) This organic connection with the audience. And in that way, it becomes a sort of battle over the soul of pro wrestling in a real way. Because the argument then becomes, it doesn't matter what conventional wisdom says. What matters is what the people want, what the fans want. And it's a pretty special, uh, a pretty special moment, I think. Do you have any other thoughts about the homework? Any other uh, concerns, questions? It's like I'm in school again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I mean, based on the short amount of time that I saw this, uh, it seems like he really he really has the crowd on his side. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, they have this whole thing. They, they mentioned the yes movement, right? Yes. This was one of the things that, that got Daniel Bryan really over with the crowd. When he first really caught fire, he was a villain. And his thing was he would win in a really cheap way or in a way that was almost accidental. And he would then run around the ring celebrating in a completely inappropriate way. For example, his opponent might slip on a banana peel. (laughs) This this didn't actually happen, but something would happen where his opponent was disabled in such a way that he couldn't really take credit for it, and he would win sort of by accident, and he Uh would run around pointing his fingers in the air going, yes, yes, yes! So it started out as like an ironic thing, but people really liked it, and when WWE realized that people liked it, they started marketing, you know, the yes, yes, yes t-shirts. And from there, he blew up. So, in a way, they created this monster. Because they gave him a platform, originally, as like a throwaway comedy character. But once he had that spotlight, he made the most of it. And he, you know, turned it into a real star-making performance. And from then on it became a thing that would bite them in the ass because they would be trying to do, for example, they would be trying to do something with Randy Orton and Batista and the crowd would be chanting, no, no, no! (laughs) As opposed to yes, yes, yes. They really did create a monster by creating this star that they didn't really know how to promote because he wasn't the sort of star that they normally promoted, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they tried to cool him off, but it didn't work. It just made him hotter because then the fans felt like this was a guy they weren't supposed to like. This was a guy who wasn't supposed to make it. It sort of became this underdog story. Okay. Not a conventional underdog story. He's smaller than the other two guys, but he's physically their match. It's an underdog story in a weird marketability sense. The classic story of David being less marketable than Goliath. 
I mean, I, I get why they struggled with marketing him. He just looks, he looks normal. Yeah, he looks like a, a normal Eastern Washingtonian guy. I mean, sure. Or, he just looks like a normal guy. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily look like a star, but he was one. In the episode that that Jinx and I did about Arn Anderson, we talked about how Arn Anderson was never going to be... He was going to be a star, but he was never going to be a superstar because of how he looked and how his skill set made him excellent but unremarkable. And Daniel Bryan had a skill set that made him excellent and remarkable. And the only thing holding him back was the fact that he didn't look like you might expect him to look. But in his case, I think that actually added to his appeal because it made him stand out more. It made him more of a singular figure. And it made him a rallying point for fans who wanted something different. Do, uh, do, you, have your, uh, do you have your video all queued up, Kylie? I am ready whenever you are. And in three, two, one, go. Okay. So, uh, first of all, what we are seeing is Randy Orton's theme music being played by a live band. Uh, what, what do you think, what sort of sounds do you think are coming out of this band right now? Not good ones. <laughs> No, the the lead singer sort of looks like a shitty alt Mario Lopez. Um, I feel like this is like lower rent Papa Roach, which is <laughs> which is saying something. It really is. He's wearing a sleeveless leather jacket over a sleeveless hoodie. And so this is this is is Randy Orton. Uh, I think I think I was pretty accurate in describing him as a pile of Ed Hardy activewear that came to life like Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, he definitely smells like Axe. Yeah, yeah, he does. He also, I believe, vapes. I believe that is confirmed. Oh, although, well, yeah. Although I don't know if you could tell that from all everything. The, yeah, from everything that we're seeing right now. Um. You can see that Randy Orton is actually holding two championship belts. And this is because at this point, WWE had, for a long time, they had two uh, They had two world championships. They had the WWE championship and they had the world heavyweight championship. They were theoretically equal in stature. And Randy Orton was able to unify them. Okay. So he was sort of handpicked as the guy that they wanted to put in the record books as the first ever unified world champion. You know, so that should give you some idea of how WWE... God, what a piece of shit. Look at that little pose he's striking. I don't like him. No. Nobody really likes Randy Orton. <laughs> he's been a very successful pro wrestler at the highest level for like 20 years now. And nobody really likes him. I don't think, which is sort of an interesting contrast to Daniel Bryan because Randy Orton got a million chances and people are still like, yeah, I guess it's Randy Orton. Sure. You know, and he gets this fucking, uh, look at that back tattoo. Sorry. Yeah. Is there a word for one of those tramp stamps that goes across your shoulders? (laughs) I don't know. But he's actually got, like, two. There's one of those big tramp stamps that goes shoulder to shoulder, and then there's a smaller one on top of it, like a little hat. (laughs) Sort of at the base of his neck. It's just doubly bad. I I don't know what you would call that. And let me also just say that I cannot think of a more boring, milquetoast fucking name than Randy Orton. He sounds like he fixes radiators. Like that's. <laughs> this is this is just me. This is my uh, my twisted sense of humor. I usually call him Blandy Borton. Okay. Because he's really, 
it's not going to be interesting for me to talk about Randy Orton because I'm just so interested, uninterested in him. Here comes Batista, who uh, I'm sure you're aware of through his work in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and probably nowhere else. Yep, that's exactly it. Yep. So you might get a sense from seeing him here that he maybe looks a little bit like a bootleg Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, like he let himself go a little bit. It's not inaccurate. (laughs) Um, Batista, in certain points in his career, has been a lot of fun. There was a period where he was sort of doing a Kanye West character. Ah, okay. And he was wearing like the uh, the Stunna shades, and he and he was wearing like an adult size medium pink polo shirt. Which is absolutely unrealistic, given this man's size. But Yeah, it, okay, on no one. Right, but it was fucking hilarious, and he was really <laughs> good as a villain. But he's supposed to be, if you remember, he was supposed to be the guy we like here, because he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. So the fans are supposed to be uh, losing their shit over this guy, and it's just not happening. As a good guy, Batista is just a slab of manila muscle, and I'm not just saying that because he is of Filipino descent. <laughs> He's just like a guy. These two are essentially the same guy. Yeah. It's They're like fucking Mario and Luigi in there. Oh, God. In, in their underpants. Okay, so here comes... <laughs> here comes Daniel Bryan. Uh... Just could not be more of a physical contrast between these three gentlemen. So he's just, you know, there's the yes everywhere. You see the yes and just thousands and thousands of people in the audience pointing their fingers in the air, chanting yes along with him. He's the clear favorite here. Yeah. And you could see that he's he's nursing that one arm because Triple H hit him with a chair. Oh, they're going to show a... Uh, they're going to show the ending of the ending of the match that opened the show, where Triple H hit him with his finishing move, the pedigree, and couldn't put him away. Daniel Bryan escaped, kicked him in the head, and uh, here we're going to see that flying knee strike, which was enough to put Triple H down for three seconds. Uh, that is Daniel Bryan's bulletproof finish, is that flying knee. And here we see uh, Stephanie McMahon slaps him. And uh, Triple H blindsides him. <laughs> and just uh, assaults his already taped up shoulder. So, yeah. it's uh, It's been a rough night uh, for Daniel Bryan. So much so that he can only do his his signature pointing at the sky signal with one arm. Uh, By the way, Daniel Bryan's theme song, um, despite all appearances, is like a metal version of Ride of the Valkyries and not like something by the Mountain Goats. By Owl City. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would not believe your eyes. <laughs> so he's 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 got he's getting some energy there. He almost got both arms up on that chant. I saw that. Yep. Yep. So we uh we have we have our three. That little star tattoo on his pec bothers me so much. Oh. Right? It, Batista has a bunch of tribal tattoos, and then, like, something that looks like it came off of my very special tattoo Barbie or something. It's cute. It is cute. <laughs> God, you can just smell Randy Orton through your screen, can't you? Yeah, no, I don't like it. Oh, God, I don't like him. Just passionately. He's just eminently unlikable. Batista's not as bad. Right? I just, I kind of feel 
bad for him. Like, I feel like he went home and cried. Yeah, because... I really... I just... Yeah. Because this was supposed to be his big moment, right? He was supposed to come back, and he was supposed to be the big conquering hero, and people were just like, no, we like the little guy. Nobody really cared. That's yeah. so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and Daniel Bryan, right out the gate, just smashes uh, Randy Orton in the face with a flying dropkick. And Batista attempting to knock him out with a Batista bomb, which is his big move. He, he manages to counter and throw Batista to the ground and now just lighting uh, Randy Orton up with these kicks. Oh, and Randy Orton wrenches the injured arm. And another stomp to the injured arm. So immediately we get the idea that Daniel Bryan, if he didn't have this handicap, this one bum arm then this match would look considerably different. Right. So uh, Batista now has taken control, and he's kind of whipping Randy Orton around a little bit. And uh, one thing you'll notice about Batista is he never seems to move faster than a gentle jog, which sort of takes away some of the impact of being built like that if you never really move very quickly. <laughs> How old is he? Uh, gosh, he's in his mid-40s here. Yeah, he looks like it. He looks a little tired. I think he might he, be a, he might be a grandpa at this point. He might be developing arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, he's doing his best, though. He's in here holding his own with uh, with guys quite a bit uh, younger than he is. It's respectable. It's respectable. Um, but you can already see why people might prefer Daniel Bryan to a Batista, right? Because Batista is really not that interesting to watch. Yeah, that's fair. Which fair is, assessment. Yep, and Randy Orton firing back here with some headbutts and some uppercuts. Randy Orton is also not terribly interesting to watch. And uh, Batista kind of throws him into the stairs there. But it's not a problem if you're not interesting to watch if you're not supposed to be the good guy. Because if you're the good guy, the whole point of the match is to make people want to see you do things. And the fact of the matter is there are like three things in Batista's entire skill set that people genuinely want to see him do. And uh, he's about to try one right here. He was about to try that Batista bomb again by throwing Randy onto the stairs, and Randy managed to reverse it and throw Batista onto the stairs. And uh, now he's picked up young Mr. Brian and is continuing to damage his shoulder dropping him shoulder first onto that uh, onto that barricade and returning to Batista. So at the very least, we can say that Randy Orton is, is wrestling a smart match. He's not focusing on either one of these two guys. He's using the environment to his advantage. He's using the, the barricade and the, and the stairs there to compound the damage that he's doing. And here he is again with his shitbag pose. But again, nothing is particularly interesting about about what Randy Orton is doing. Fair enough. Um, I should mention that this is a triple threat match. So this is a the first fall to a finish. It's the first pinfall of the match. One and Batista gets out. Only a one count. So even though Randy Orton is the champion here, if Batista defeats... Daniel Bryan, he'll become the champion. If Daniel Bryan defeats Batista, he'll become the champion. So, it's a sudden death situation. Gotcha. So, it's entirely possible for the champion here to lose his championship without even being in the ring. And, uh, 
again, slowly picking apart Batista here on the ground with these slow methodical stomps and the, and the big theatrical knee drop. And, uh, and Daniel Bryan sails in out of nowhere and just is feeling that energy. I see that. So the story of this match is going to be Daniel Bryan building momentum. And again, these nasty kicks for a smaller guy. He is just kicking the shit out of these guys. He seems like he has a lot of aggression built up. Yeah. And Randy Orton finally manages to counter one of those kicks and, and, and suplex him. And he goes for the second pin of the match, and Batista breaks it up. So another thing you'll notice is that you'll see a lot of these guys uh, breaking up pins because you can't let somebody else get the pin or you lose. So it's this interesting thing where you're trying to do damage to both guys, but you don't want... You can't stop paying attention for even a second or one of the guys could beat the other guy and then all of the hard work that you've done is in vain. <laughs> so you have to you have to imagine it's a very nerve-wracking experience to wrestle a match like this. And <laughs> we just saw Batista gently jog at Daniel Bryan and get tripped and fall into the corner. And again these kicks <laughs> you can you can definitely see why people like Daniel Bryan, right? Look at the energy here and just the ferocity of these kicks blasting these guys in the face and just really taking the fight to these guys who were on paper his physical superiors. Right. But I see what you're saying about about him moving so much quicker than anyone yeah. else. I mean, it's just noticeably more is high energy. Yeah, and just there, he put Randy Orton on the top rope and took him off with a huge head scissors move, uh, a Hurricane Rana. So you also see a lot more variation in Daniel Bryan's moveset. He's not so much just punching and kicking and stomping. He is... Oof. So Batista just tried to suplex Daniel Bryan to the floor but Daniel Bryan corrected course a little bit and landed on his feet. It looks like he, he might have hit his shoulder against the barricade on the way down, but I think he definitely saved himself a lot of that impact. And now Batista's climbing on the top rope, which is probably a bad idea if you are, you know, almost 50 years old and built like one of the terror dogs from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Orton's up on the top rope, and he's going to attempt to throw Batista to the ground. They both look like they're made out of hot dog, don't they? <laughs> yes. All right, so, so Randy, just there, successfully hit Batista with what he tried to hit Daniel Bryan with. But Daniel Bryan was able to save himself because Batista didn't go over the top rope with him. And what happened there was Randy Orton did go over the top rope along with Batista and took the brunt of that move. And the result was Daniel Bryan was able to sneak in, hit Randy with a flying headbutt. And now he has him in this submission hold and is within a hair's breadth of winning this match. But Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are back out now, and they have taken out the referee. They are still unwilling to let Daniel Bryan happen, apparently. She looks very unpleasant. She does, doesn't she? And in the confusion, Daniel Bryan falls victim to one of Batista's, like, two moves that look impressive. <laughs> Is that spinebuster? I just like to point out that as they're is they're growing increasingly redder, they're looking more like 
they've gone from raw hot dog to cooked hot dog. Yes. <laughs> so Batista now just hit his Batista bomb, which is his best move, and Daniel Bryan gets out. And look at that look. Do you see the look on his face? He's so upset. <laughs> Definitely went home and cried. I know. He looks like some. He looks like he just watched someone shoot a dog. <laughs> How could you do that? Right. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have brought their own crooked referee to the ring. <laughs> Batista again attempted to run at Daniel Bryan in the corner and again got tripped. So we can see that Batista is not learning from his mistakes <laughs> and Daniel Bryan just sort of nonchalantly kicks the crooked referee in the head. And now uh, Triple H and Stephanie are, are trying to help their guy to his feet. <laughs> and Daniel Bryan leaps over the top rope and takes out all three of them. So this is what I was saying about him just being this unstoppable force of momentum. You can't give him an inch because he will take two miles. has a lot more energy than I've ever even considered a possibility. I kind of envy that. Right. It's, he's like, he's like a superhuman dynamo. And now Triple H has found a sledgehammer under the ring. You know how they keep sledgehammers under the wrestling ring. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan manages to, uh, to cut him off at the pass. And bashes him in the head with it. Sort of John Henry style, I guess. <laughs> and he goes to... You gotta imagine that if Randy Orton hadn't broken up that pin, that that would have been the end of the match, because Batista was apparently unconscious, just slumped over in the corner for about four minutes. He was not doing so hot. I think he hit his head pretty hard on that on the turnbuckle. And now, Randy Orton is, I think, very upset that he almost lost this match. And he's panicking a little bit because, yeah, and a little bit of unintended teamwork here between uh, Orton and Batista. And Randy Orton again being a real shitbag and ripping off Daniel Bryan's shoulder brace or his shoulder bandage. Again, dropping him shoulder first on the barricade. I love I love Stephanie Mc, Stephanie McMahon limping because fucking who told you to wear stilettos out to a wrestling match? That's a yeah, bad idea. That was that was step one in your mistake. You're asking for so many broken ankles. So now we seem to be seeing a sort of uh, temporary alliance forming between uh, the hot dog men. Are they bonding over unfortunate tattoos? <laughs> I can only imagine. Actually, they do have they do have some history together. Uh, years before this, they were part of the same uh, the same group called Evolution because they were both handpicked by Triple H when he was more of an active wrestler. You know, before he was so involved in running the show, when he was at the peak of his career, he had this group Evolution where he had handpicked. Randy Orton and Batista as as future stars, and they were sort of his protégés. So, after a while, they sort of went their separate ways and became enemies, And but they do have a history together. So, it seems like, at this point, that chemistry that they had and that ability to uh, have a common goal is coming back into play here. Because even if they don't like each other anymore, they certainly know each other well enough to team up to take down this guy who's a bigger threat to both of them. They need to find a way to neutralize this guy or he's going to just keep coming. I love Randy Orton setting up these steps just so he can dramatically climb up them. Okay, so I'm going to let you attempt to describe what just happened there. Um, 
I, I don't really know where to begin. Well, I think we should begin with Randy Orton dramatically walking up those those steps that he set up next to yeah, the announcer's dramatically, table. Yeah, dramatically walked up on the stairs uh, like a pug would have to, right. to get into a bed. <laughs> like a very fat dog who can't get in bed. Yeah. So, so. B- Batista uh, did his, uh, his Batista bomb, which is his big move, and Randy Orton, before Daniel Bryan hit that table jumped up in the air, grabbed his head and sort of drove it down into the table. So they have sort of created this monstrous double team maneuver to try to eliminate Brian from the equation once and for all. And we're going to get to see a a replay for the third time. Watch Randy Orton land on that monitor. Oh. Yeah. They, that's the thing about throwing a guy through the announcer's desk is that he's actually bleeding from the lower back there. Um, <laughs> that looks incredibly unpleasant. You have to make sure you take the, the video monitors out of the announcer's desks before you jump onto them, Randy. <laughs> well, one more time. I... Watch Randy bounce off this fucking monitor like an idiot. Ugh. I don't feel bad for him. No, I don't feel bad for him either. I'm kind of glad it happened. Right. So he kind of, at this point, now that his back is is cut, he's almost like, you know when you make a hot dog in the microwave and the skin splits a little bit? Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. So now we have, uh... We have some... EMTs coming out to attend to Daniel Bryan, who has supposedly sustained an injury sufficient to keep him out of the rest of the match. And this will allow uh, Batista to apparently just jog at Randy Orton at his leisure. He looks tired. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him, too. He's not exactly ready for this. He hadn't wrestled for I want to say like five years before this. Oh my goodness. He's not he's not in the best shape of his career. He's probably a couple of years too old to be doing this, especially at this level, and he's just not who anybody wants to see in this situation. He's got that Guardians of the Galaxy money. He doesn't need to be here. Right. Who what are you trying to prove, Dave? Also, WWE called him Batista, just like one word, Batista. And then when he became an actor, he decided to go by Dave Batista, which is just hysterical to me. The, the fact that his name is Dave removes any kind of intimidation factor whatsoever. I feel like that name sounds like he should be on, he should be like, on Animal Planet as some kind of pet expert. <laughs> Dave Batista. <laughs> Batista's beasts. Something like yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's going to he's going to teach you about tapers. Should be in khakis, cargo shorts. Yeah, dressed like fucking Brian Fellows on Saturday Night Live. Exactly. I love Daniel Bryan. He's now sort of fighting his way free of the uh of the stretcher, and did you see the the one EMT just like gently shrugging, like, "Okay, I guess, all right." This is happening. <laughs> and they're like, "Do we let him go?" This is how you can tell they're not real EMTs, <laughs> because they just put a what? neck. Yeah, I know, right? They put the they put the neck brace on him because apparently they thought he was, you know, he he was in danger of breaking his neck, and now he's just fighting his way free. And they're like, "Oh, okay, just sorry, let bud." Him go. Yeah, sorry, bud. Didn't realize you were still good to go. <laughs> the, I don't think they're medical professionals. No, if they were, they're super fired now, <laughs> and they're never they're never working again. Like, can you imagine you you interview for a job as an EMT, and they're like, uh, "Sorry, bud, I saw you at WrestleMania letting a guy get off of a gurney <laughs> to continue to continue fighting two other adult men." So, 
at this point, Batista has had his head driven into the ground on the outside. And uh, Dandy Randy here is uh, throwing a little bit of a tantrum. Now he's going for his move, the RKO, and it just gets dragged to the ground. So Daniel Bryan can apply uh, his signature yes lock. This is how this is the move he had Randy Orton in before, which prompted Triple H to run out and try to interfere. But now Triple H is concussed and apparently will not be returning this evening. And Batista stumbles over apparently drunkenly to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> and for like the fifth time Batista just stumbles into a counter by Daniel Bryan he's so so out of his his league athletically it's really not funny I feel really sad for him I think I've said that but yeah it's rough uh, Daniel Bryan his one weak spot of course is his his luxurious hair which Randy Orton yeah makes a very a very handy handle for for these two baldish gentlemen. And it seemed like earlier in his career he had less hair. Yeah, for years he had a shaved head and then he he kind of had like he always looked like his hair was done up for picture day and then he just <laughs> grew out this uh this sort of shaggy mop. Which but, it seems like would be a detriment to you yeah. when you're trying to fight other grown men. Yep. Oh! So... Uh, so what happened there, Batista ran into Daniel Bryan, knocked heads with him, Daniel Bryan fell to the floor, and then Batista got caught with Randy's move, the RKO, and still managed to escape. Oh! You see that in the replay? He def They definitely knocked heads. Yeah. So now Randy is going to make some really unfortunate facial expressions, I think. Yeah, here we go. So, Randy has one death move that he doesn't often do. It is a punt kick which is where he goes across the ring and just punts somebody in the head like it's a football. <laughs> and he, uh, I love the look of surprise on his face when Daniel Bryan hits him with that knee out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yep, and uh, Batista manages to throw... Uh, Brian to the outside attempts a pin and Randy escapes. And here he's going to attempt another Batista bomb, his biggest move. And there he is. He's got him. And another flying knee. He just comes in hot. He does. And now. Brian latches this hold on him again and just cranks back. And this time, Randy Orton is nowhere to be found. And Batista has to give up. Oh, no. And that's it. That's the ball game. Daniel Bryan has won this match. Has won in the main event of the biggest show of the year and is now the unified WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And just however many people this is, 80,000, something like that, in unison chanting, yes, yes, yes. And there you see the, the wide shot of all of those yeah. people. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's a lot of people to have on your side. Yeah, and just... I think I think the hair the hair helps him just in terms of fighting spirit. It helps illustrate just the energy because you, you get the feeling that there's energy radiating off this guy, you know. Yeah. I think the hair helps to illustrate that. I love that he walks past Randy Orton just sort of sulking on the ground. <laughs> this is my moment. Yep, 
And there you see the fireworks going off behind him. That's touching. Yep, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you to stay on for, oh, here we go. Now the, uh, the, uh, the confetti is falling. But this just, it couldn't, it honestly couldn't be, couldn't be a bigger deal. Uh, for, for this, for this guy and for all these people, honestly, because, good God, you can't even see because of all that confetti. It's incredible. <laughs> but sometimes this is what, this is what wrestling is. You know, it's, uh, the magic of wrestling is creating a situation where thousands of people can enjoy the same moment of catharsis at the same time. And, uh, here, Daniel Bryan's, uh, niece, uh, coming into the ring and his, uh, his sister coming into the ring to celebrate with him. It's a very, a very sweet moment. So there's about, I don't know, 10 more minutes of, uh, of Daniel Bryan just sort of celebrating in the uh, in the confetti, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that that part short here, and uh, and that's that's basically the match. So what did, what did you what did you think of uh, I I can only assume your first real pro wrestling match. That that was the full the first full thing. So what did you think? Was this what you were expecting? Um, in in some ways, yes. I think with with Randy Orton and Batista, it was. It was what I was expecting as far as the showmanship and the, the tackiness. Um, but then as, as far as Daniel Bryan goes, it definitely wasn't. It's definitely not what comes to mind when you when you think of pro wrestling. You're right. Um, Daniel Bryan is a completely different beast. Batista and Randy Orton, they are definitely the children of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Right? They're just these muscly hot dog men. <laughs> And they're they're moving slowly, and they're uh, they're indicating, and they are plotting, and and it's not hard to understand why people would glom onto a Daniel Bryan. Right. It's it's such a cool moment because it's one of the few times that you know WWE basically has a monopoly on pro wrestling in North America. Mm-hmm. They bought out their biggest competition almost 20 years ago, which is why, in a roundabout way, they had two world championships, because one of them traces its lineage back to the main championship of the company that they bought, bought out their biggest competition, and for almost 20 years, they have gotten to decide what pro wrestling is, at least in the mainstream, because Mm -hmm. they own so much of it, and they control so much access to it. And at least in this, on this night, this time, the fans said, no, this is not what we want this to be. We, we recognize that pro wrestling can be more than what you make it out to be, and we want it to be that. And I think that's, I think that's a pretty special thing, that this company that's essentially all-powerful and has a monopoly on this art form was forced to concede, at least in this case, because of this guy's supernatural connection with the crowd. It's just incredible. I think it's it's refreshing to see that kind of person succeed, especially even, you know, having no real familiarity with pro wrestling. The only references I have are, you know, the big names and with that all that showmanship and and just kind of, I don't know, cockiness, I guess, but to see somebody who's the underdog who's who's different and just has a different style. Yeah. It's interesting. That that's a, that's an interesting point because to take it back to the homework that I sent you, Daniel Bryan says those things very much. He says at one point, you don't listen to these people. You don't listen to their obvious desire to see somebody like me succeed. And later on when he's talking about why he wants to be champion, it's not for any it's not for any cocky reason, but he says, I want to be champion because it proves that when I step into the ring, nobody does this better than I do. 
So he's not trying to lord it over anybody else. He just believes truly that he's the best there is at what he does. And he rightfully wants to hold the title that proves that. And I think that that kind of very basic motivation is refreshing. Do you have any other thoughts about Daniel Bryan, about Batista, about Randy Orton, about pro wrestling in general? I mean, just overall, obviously, this video is somewhat recent, but not brand new. Um, Did this kind of, I don't know, spark an insurgence, I guess, of of more of this kind of guy? Like, is, is is he truly one of a kind? He is, and he isn't. I mean, yes, there has been an influx of people who, not necessarily who look like Daniel Bryan, but there has been an influx of guys who WWE years ago would not have had as their champion. Right now, the WWE champion is this guy, AJ Styles, who's 5'10", and from Georgia and you know with the, with this uh, this thick drawl and you know he's he's just a little bit bigger than Daniel Bryan not the kind of person that they would have had as their as their top star years ago but he is and you have to imagine that some of that precedent is from what was set by Daniel Bryan you know Daniel Bryan came from the independents for a long time WWE recruited you know, college football players and taught them how to be wrestlers. But Daniel Bryan was a guy who traveled the world wrestling in small arenas and, you know, VFW halls and high school gyms. For a long time, WWE didn't want people like that. You know, they weren't recruiting from those arenas, but now they are. Um, I think he definitely has, in a way, played a very important role in changing the conversation about what it means to be a pro wrestler in the mainstream. And actually, right now, Daniel Bryan is in the middle of a career resurgence because, unfortunately, only a few months after this, he wound up suffering a really nasty concussion that kept him out of the ring for almost three years this April he finally made his long-awaited return to the ring, and he hasn't missed a step. It's pretty incredible. And he seems, uh, he seems poised to pick up right where he left off, which is being the absolute best in the world at what he does. And I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. This has been another episode of I Hate Wrestling, another good, good episode of I Hate Wrestling. Uh, my guest today was Kyleen. Thank you, Kyleen. Oh, thank you. Um, my theme song is The Crusher by The Novas. My logo was designed by my good friend Corinne Dodenhoff. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, I have a brand, new, uh, a brand new domain name. You can find me at ihwpod.com. Isn't that exciting? Uh, I'm going to be having a whole bunch of new merchandise. It'll probably be up in the store by the time, uh, by the time this goes up. So you know what? Buy a T-shirt. Buy a vintage Ringer T-shirt. Buy a bandana. Buy a mouse pad. Buy some stickers. Buy a necktie so you can support I Hate Wrestling at funerals and weddings. Um, just, just, just be cool. Just be cool, right? People can just be cool. That's fine. So all that said... Kyleen, you know how the show ends, don't you? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, if you were going to be a wrestler, what would your character be? I don't know. I mean, based on, like, who I am in real life, probably somebody uh, kind of darker, more like a villainous kind of <laughs> kind of deal. Maybe maybe a vampire stick. I'm not really sure. Maybe what now? I said maybe some kind of vampire stick. I'm not really sure. Okay, okay. I'm into this. I'm into this. You you. Uh, so 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 so. Paint me a picture here. You. Uh, oh God. So you're 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 vampire. You're vampirish. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Vampire. <laughs> so you're an Irish vampire. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's where I went. <laughs> that didn't. Well, I mean, your name is Kylene Fitzpatrick. So that's true. So, so I, I would say I would say your 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 name is the Vampirish. Kylene Fitzpatrick, and you know, and you know, you you come out, um, and just wearing a lot, a lot of sunscreen because just both both of those two components make you extremely susceptible to any kind of sunburn. That's true. It really is. That's not even a. That wouldn't even be a character thing. I just have to do that. <laughs> so. I'm I'm thinking you, uh, I'm thinking you you've got, just sort of always at the ready is a can of uh, SPF ten thousand, and uh, and you could just spray it in people's eyes to blind them. That sounds perfect. And uh, and I guess the 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 downside is that at some point, in order to pay off the fact that you're a vampire you will have to burst into flames and crumble into dust. I actually think I like that the best. That's, <laughs> that's the most stylish part of it. <laughs> I'm a fan of a dramatic exit. <laughs> so, the, you know, a lot of wrestlers have a signature entrance. You're going to have a signature exit, which is you know, that... I can only do it once, but people are going to remember. <laughs> story of David being less marketable than Goliath. You still there? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just pondering. I thought I thought my joke was so bad that it had killed you. <laughs>